Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. You know, tonight we're going to talk about prayer and then we're going to take some time and, and pray for each other and we're going to worship uh, together. So we won't be long right now, but we want to talk a little bit about prayer tonight because I know for s- some people, prayer can be pretty daunting. It can be confusing. I know for me, early on, um, it, was, it was difficult for me, to, uh, understanding it, um, practicing it myself. I mean, the first recollections of prayer, Ash, were, were when I was a little guy, and my mom would pray that prayer. Maybe you prayed this next to your bed with your mom or dad or grandparents, that now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. Here's the part that always kind of was weird. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. So, so honey, we're just going to hope that you make it through the night. Do you know what I mean? And like we, so sweet we, dreams. We, yeah, sweet dreams. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ah. Um, and so for me, Ash, really, I, I want this to be kind of a conversation too because for me early on, I, I was taught that prayer, and you know, well-meaning too. I mean, it's, it's, it's tricky teaching children how to pray and have them grasp a, a full understanding of it, but you know, even at an, uh, as an adult, if we're not careful, they can just kind of become routine and rigid and, and, and no, not understandable. Absolutely. In fact, today, uh, and I, I posted it on my Instagram story, Fulton looked at me and he said, so mom, I was thinking that I really want the next planet that God creates to be a triangle and not a circle. Because then everything would be a slide. Genius, right? Like my mind just got blown. Anyway, I said, baby, you talk to God about that. You just talk to him about it. No, I get tons of questions about prayer. We both do, right? And even... I guess a few months ago, a precious brand new Christian called and she had a question about a scripture that had been given to her. And the scripture was 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 and 17. And I'm sure you're familiar with this scripture. It it says, rejoice always. Well, that's not very easy, is it? Pray continually. What? Continually? And, and she had a really hard time with that. She said, Pastor Ashley, I, I, I have a job. Right? She's like, I, I have a family and like, I, you know, I've tried it the first few weeks and people just stare at me like I'm super weird, you know, because I'm just Praying in the elevator, McDonald's line. And then she met with a counselor and this wonderful, well-meaning counselor. And I think I told this to the women's Bible study. The wonderful, well-meaning counselor told her, (laughs) really kind of instructed her poorly in my opinion, but she explained that this sweet young lady needed to get a prayer closet. And she said, well, I only have one legitimate closet in my entire apartment. And the 
The counselor said, well, you got to make it your prayer closet. So this sweet girl had begun to empty her closet of clothes. How many of you know we get confused about prayer, right? Because really, in that culture, the prayer closet was a shawl that they all wore constantly. So in reality, the idea was more of being open to a conversation with God all the time. And I was even praying today thinking about this. I said, Lord, how can I illustrate this? And I thought about my husband. I thought about the relationship that we have and that we really are in a continual state of communication. I mean, you know, unless the Seahawks are playing. It's true. That's true. We have no sports fans here. What are we going to do when season starts? Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> right, exactly. They'll show up at church. No, but the idea is that we are always open to these, these conversations, right? I, there's never a time where I'm not wanting to hear from him. There's never a time where I'm not wanting to communicate things with him. I'm not always talking to him in an audible voice. Sometimes I'm texting, sometimes I'm emailing, sometimes there's just a stare. <laughs> Hello. Sorry. That's a different sermon. No. The idea is that there can be constant communication and openness to that communication without there being an outward yelling experience. So tonight, just for the next couple of minutes here, we, we want to look to the scriptures and specifically, we want to look at a model that Jesus Christ himself gave us. Would that be okay if we just, we just looked at what Jesus had to say about prayer? Look at this passage of Scripture. This is a fascinating passage of Scripture. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. This is what Scripture says. It said, It happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, I could sit on this for a long time. There's so many uh, elements of this that I'm just fascinated by. You, you, we talk about uh, contextualizing the text, the scriptures, in every given opportunity that you can. And you must know that these disciples were raised knowing what the Torah taught. They would have been instructed by rabbis, by teachers at an early age, to do what? To pray. So, Scripture says that Jesus is praying in a certain place. Not clear as to what that is, but it obviously threw this disciple off because that was a unique experience. He knows what the Torah says about prayer. He knows what his teachers and his parents and everyone had taught him how to pray. But, but, but he notices that there's something different about Jesus' prayer. And, and he's wanting to know what that different is. And so he says, Master, he says, Teacher, he says, Jesus, I want that. Can you show me how I can tap into whatever you're tapping into? And I don't know about, about you tonight, that's what I want. I want to throw out just religious, you know, dogma, robotic 
you know, the whole thing. And, and I want to I pray the way he's taught us how to pray because I truly want to connect with the Holy Spirit. And I want to hear from him. And so Jesus says, thanks for asking. And, and, and look what he says here. Many of you know this as the Lord's Prayer. We're going to unpack it here. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. Here's what it says. Pray then in this way. Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Others say, uh, translations say trespasses. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors, those people that have sinned against us, done us wrong. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil or the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Tonight, I wanna, we want to go, Ashley and I want to go line by line and dissect this prayer that Jesus gave us because it's a phenomenal outline for daily, daily praying. You don't just have to quote this and get in your car and drive off. You can, we're going to show you how you can literally pray each line, and we're going to unpack that um, one step at a time. Yeah, and so I want to encourage you, take notes right now. Take your phone out. If you have a notes app in your phone, jot these down. This is going to be not just three points. Shocking, I know. We're going to go line by line. This is going to be a skeleton that you're going to want to use to help you pray in those moments when you don't really know what to pray. Let's start with Matthew 6. The first part of verse 9 says, Pray then in this way, that's how Jesus replied, and he starts with our Father who is in heaven. How many of you know that in our culture, and our society, we have some really strange social norms? I mean, some of them are really bizarre. Did you know that there is a time of the year in this country that we celebrate and that we place, some of us, not all of us, some of you are holier than some of us, but that we go to a random store or mall or facility and we place our children in the laps of grown men that are dressed up in costumes with wigs and beards. I do this. I do this every year, just in case you're wondering. Like, we are a sit on Santa's lap and get the picture family, okay? Now, Izzy has bought into this. Izzy doesn't eat. She's my seven-year-old daughter. She doesn't meet a stranger. So she loves the idea of going and sitting on Santa's lap. Now, granted, most of the time, Santa is Papa Arnie, but that's another conversation. No, she loves this idea. Now, Fulton... Fulton ain't having it. He didn't have it when he was an infant. He didn't have it really last year. I mean, he's getting a little, now I just bribe him, you know. But this was my favorite year. We went to uh, the, the big bass pro shop, Santa, right? And we have a picture of it. And that is Fulton. Fulton is like, heck no. You people are crazy. I am not doing this. I am out of here. He ain't having it. But how many of you know 
that when it comes time for my children to climb in their father's lap and ask him for whatever they need or want, they have no hesitation. And I think that is the heart behind this first line that Jesus introduces here. He says, no, no, you have to start, first and foremost, knowing the relationship with the person that you're praying to. Because if you are praying to someone that feels like Santa to you, none of this is going to matter. If you are praying to someone that you are relationally disconnected from, someone that you don't personally know, this will not work. But when you understand that he is your father, that he is your heavenly father, that already perfectly loves you, that you don't have to earn his love, that he already wants to bless you. Everything that you have need of, he already desires to give it to you. When you approach prayer with that in mind, it changes everything. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse, starting in verse 14. It says, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. That's you. If you've said yes to Jesus, that is you. You are a son and a daughter of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. Some of you are actually even scared of prayer. And part of that is that the enemy has sold you this lie that you are not a son. You are a child of God. But you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which you are able to cry out, Abba, Father. I loved when we lived in Los Angeles, right in that Beverly Hills area that we would frequent, right, as tourists. There was such a high concentration of, of Jews. And I remember the first time I heard a little three-year-old yell down the grocery aisle, Abba, Abba. And in that moment, I captured, Lord, that's exactly what you desire from me, to call out to you in the most raw, desiring, relational love. And that's who he is. And I think that's where we have to start. So our Father who is in heaven, and look at verse nine, the second half, B, is hallowed be your name, which translates to holy, holy is your name. Here's the step two, and that is recognize and worship who he is. Write that down. How, holy is your name. God, I recognize who you are, what you're all about, you are holy. You, you, are, you, 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 are, you are loving. You are bigger than everything else. And I worship you and I recognize that. Every time I pray to you, I remember that you are a holy God. And, and we were looking through just the different, there's so, how many of you know in scripture, there's so many different names for God. I just wanted to share a few of them with you just to encourage you of who he is. Scripture says that he is Abba Father. Scripture says he is Alpha and Omega, meaning he is the beginning and the end in all things. He's the Ancient of Days, the one who was present in all past and will be in all future. 
He is the anointed one, the God who gave you birth. He is God of all knowledge, the God most high, the everlasting one, the God who sees. He is God almighty. He is the creator. He is the self-existent one, the Lord, my banner, the one who goes before me, the one who covers me. Aren't you grateful for that? He is my banner. The Lord is my shepherd, the Lord that heals, the Lord that is my rock, the Lord of peace. He is the Lord that is with me. He's not over there. He's with you. He's living inside of you tonight. So he's with you. The Lord is my fortress. The Lord of hosts, he's sovereign over all powers of the universe. The Lord, our righteousness, the Lord, our deliverer. And here's one more. The Lord, our provider. He is Jehovah Jireh. He is the one that gives so generously to us. Look at this passage of scripture, Exodus chapter 3, verse 14 says this. God said to Moses, now you, maybe you've heard this, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. John 8 verse 58. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. So God says, I am. Fill in the blank. Which I am right now in your life, which I am do you need him to be for you? Because he's all of them. Are you here tonight and this provision thing you're struggling with today? He, he is, I am, he is our provider. Do you, do you need direction? Do you need comfort tonight? Scripture says, like, just like Michael was leading us in worship, he said, he, said he, is a, he is the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. Which I am do you need tonight? Which I am are you going to cry out to in just a couple of minutes here? You know, we were think I was thinking about it even today. Oftentimes in our prayer, the most important minutes of our prayer time doesn't involve you speaking, but rather listening. I think sometimes we like to, you know, get out in front of it and we run out of things to say. And so all of a sudden that means the prayer is now over. No, no, no. Maybe it's just beginning. Maybe maybe the next the next you know ninety percent of it is just you meditating on His Word and 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 silencing yourself and allowing Him to speak to you. That requires you quieting yourself, and we could talk about that forever. Whatever that context looks like for you, allow Him to speak to you. Yeah. So we're starting. Remember, with connecting with Him relationally, you're gonna, you're going to start your prayers with knowing exactly how He sees you who he is, right? And then you're going to enter into realizing what you have need of and understanding that he is that I am. And then it goes on to say, Matthew 6, verse 10, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Step three is to pray God's agenda and his desires first. That's my encouragement to you. Just to have a simple skeleton of how to even approach prayer, pray what he's told you to pray first before you start unpacking everything you think you need, right? And so a few things that the Lord has told us to pray. 
Matthew 5 says, pray for those who persecute you. Matthew 9, pray that laborers would be sent. James 5, pray for the sick. Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. There's so many arenas, and sometimes you won't know what to pray until you get in his word. And so that's my encouragement to you as well. In your time of reading, maybe you read a few verses a day. Maybe you read a chapter a day. Maybe you have a sheet of paper in your Bible that as you come across encouragement in Scripture that tells you what to pray for, you list it. And you make that part of what you address first before your will, before your desires, you are asking him to fulfill his. Matthew 6, says, but continually, in the original language before seek, it actually says, but continually seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all of the other things that you have need of, right? He knows them and he's good for it to add them to you, right? I love that. Matthew 6, verse 11 says this, give us this day our daily bread. Here's step four. Write this down. Ask him for what you need today and trust him to supply it. Ask him for what you need, let me say it, today and trust that he's going to supply it. The question is, why would God do it this way? <laughs> why just for today? And really, one, one answer to that is because when we begin to focus on tomorrow and the next day and next week and next month and a year from now, that's when the anxiety and the fear and the worry start to creep in. Now, here's, here's where you have to um, really be intentional with your thinking because this is a kingdom principle that we're talking about. Daily bread is doesn't really line up with our capitalistic situation in our, in our world. It doesn't really line up with your 401k, all right? Are those things okay? Of course they are. Is it important to be, um, you know, to, 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 to plan for the future? Oh, that's fine. But when, when that's our main focus, now we don't really need God anymore. You know what I mean? And so, so, so really focus on, this is a kingdom principle. Give us, give us our daily bread. I'm going to trust you, Lord, to supply me with what I need for today. And then when we get to tomorrow, I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do this once again. This takes faith. It takes faith. It's a kingdom principle. I was thinking about, you know, before we got married, and as soon as we got married, my Harley went away. I used to have a Harley. I used to have a motorcycle. And that was one of the stipulations. She said, hey, uh, I'll marry you, but that bike's, you got to put that on the market. So I haven't ridden a motorcycle since, but man, I used to ride really hard um, and I used to really love it. And I was thinking about this principle even today in connection to my Harley. And I was thinking about my son Fulton, who just turned five today. And I thought about how ridiculous it would be if at his birthday, I handed him the keys to a Harley and just said, have at it, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, that'd be ridiculous. He's got to start out on his little tiny thing, his little bike with the training wheels on there, and he needs dad behind him the whole thing. It's just, I mean, I mean, any good parent wouldn't just hand over to their kid their inheritance at age nine years old, 
right? That, that, that's, not, that's not good parenting. In the same way, God gives us specifically what we need from day to day to day. He doesn't just go, here you go, and hope you'll love me. You know what I mean? This is part of the relationship with him that, that any good father would have. So give us this day our daily bread is, is part of this prayer. Yeah, so continuing with Matthew 6, 12, there's no coincidence that Jesus, right after he's talking about daily bread, something that you have to do daily, he dives into, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Step five is get your heart right with God and people daily. If you're like me, hourly, <laughs> right? It's a constant searching, allowing the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, making sure that sin has no space to creep in and settle, allowing the Holy Spirit to continually transform us to make us look more like him, and that can never, ever, ever be done without repentance and forgiveness. Hand in hand. And that is not fun. No part of that is fun. It's not easy, but it is transformational. And we've talked about this over and over and over, but the Holy Spirit has really clenched our hearts with this. You your forgiveness is 100% contingent upon your forgiving others. And you know these scriptures, but I want you to hear them again. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if you forgive others their transgressions, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Maybe right now, the Holy Spirit is just pricking your heart. Reminding you, hey, yeah, you said you forgave this person. Did you really forgive them? Did you let it go? You keep bringing this up. Did you, did you lay it at my feet? Do you know how I know if I've forgiven someone? I ask myself if I want God to treat me and my sin the way that I am dwelling on them and their sin. That's the only way I know. Because if I'm answering yes, yes, I absolutely want God to treat me exactly how I am treating that person and their sin, then I know I've forgiven them. But otherwise, then I still have that work to do. I still have that continuum. And look, it's not immediate. It's that process too. And the Lord is so okay with that because he knows your heart. First John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know what? That unforgiveness is part of that. He is faithful to cleanse us from that. He really is. Love that. Verse 13, as the band comes back, we're going to wrap this up here and we're going to pray here in just a minute here in worship. But here's what verse 13 says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us from the evil one. And here's step six. Write this down. 
acknowledge spiritual warfare and pray for specific protection. Some some of you just question this whole dark side thing or the spiritual warfare. It's, It's a reality. It exists. And if you're a follower of Jesus, the enemy wants to take you out. I'm not, I'm not trying to depress you or anything, but I'm so grateful that Scripture is very clear is that He surrounds His angels around us, right? And He's protecting us. So acknowledge that it's there. I acknowledge that there's a dark side, that the evil one is prowling like a roaring lion, Scripture says, right? And, and acknowledge it and then pray specifically for protection against His arrows of destruction. Look at this verse, Ephesians 6, verse 12. Many of you know this, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The question is that I pose tonight is, what are areas of weakness in this season of your life? What clear guidance do you need from the Lord to keep you safe? And only you can answer that tonight. What are the specific areas that you can pray specific protection for you as we're under assault? Yeah, and I think so many of us, and we've taught on this before, but it bears repeating. So many of us don't realize that Ephesians 5, and I don't have the scripture with us, but we've taught it before. Ephesians 5 talks specifically about our role as the church speaking to those principalities of darkness. And that really takes us into this last point. It's the very end of the Lord's Prayer, and there is a reason that Jesus concluded the Lord's Prayer in this way. He said in Matthew 6, ending verse 13, for yours, Lord, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Meaning we know it and we agree with it. Here's the last point, step seven. Express faith in God's willingness and also his abilities. In his willingness to answer your prayer, in his willingness to heal you, in his willingness to set you free, in his willingness to be your provider, in his willingness to love you fully and completely, Express faith in his willingness and that he actually has power to do it. How many of you know that my, my earthly father would love to give me, let's say, $10 million? He'd love to, to go ahead and just bless us in, in unbelievable ways that we couldn't ever dream. He has that willingness. He would love to do that. He doesn't have the actual ability to do that. In this moment, your heavenly father has both. He has the willingness, meaning he actually wants to. He desires those things for you. I said it to the huddle earlier. The Lord would not have had Jesus bear all of that on the cross if he didn't desire for you to be healed. He took care of your healing so that you would be healed. He desires that. But it doesn't stop there. He actually has the power to do it. And if we don't pray with that understanding, 
with that in mind, with that encompassing everything that we speak, then it does not matter. I want to close with 1 John 5. Verse 14 says, this is the confidence. Some translations say this is the boldness. This is the audacity that we have in approaching God. This is how ridiculous it is that we even get to talk to the God of the universe. But we can. And we have this confidence and this boldness in approaching him. And this is how you get this confidence and this boldness. By understanding the following. That if we ask anything according to his will. Now don't, don't miss that part. A lot of people skip that part. Oh, if I ask anything, it'll be done. That is not what scripture says. If we ask anything according to his will, is it his will that you be healed? I believe it is. I have that confidence that it is. If you don't believe that, that is between you and God and whatever result. I believe fully, I am confident that it is God's perfect will for you to be healed. This is the confidence that I have in approaching God, and you can have it too, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Say that with me. He hears us. Say it again. He hears us. Some of you really need to process that right now. He hears you. He is listening. He hears you. And get this, if we know that he hears us, but what if we don't think he hears us? Then the rest of the verse doesn't matter. But if you do know that he hears you, if you truly believe and have the confidence in the fact that he hears you, then whatever you've asked according to his will, you can know that you'll have it. Well then. That's a little bit different, isn't it? That might change the way that you approach prayer. Maybe, maybe this is the skeleton that you use for the next few weeks approaching this fasting and prayer time that we're going to have together. Maybe God will shift your heart because prayer so often is more about my posture and the way I approach him than it ever is about my words, right? than it ever is about the length of time I spend in prayer, than it ever is about all the list of things. Did I say the right thing that I did? No, no, no. First, check your posture. And I believe that the Lord's prayer is the best way to do that. I encourage you to put this into practice even tonight. When you go home in your, in your quiet time tomorrow, you can just go right through this and begin to pray specifically through this Lord's Prayer. Come on, would you stand to your feet? Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church.